welcome back to Doing My Best. It is I, Michael Joyce. How are y'all doing? Hope you're doing, keeping warm or or cool, depending on your physical location. Hope you're staying safe, avoiding the plague per usual. I am out here on the uh, on the front porch. You might hear a little wind. You might hear some birds chirping. Maybe a a neighbor getting in and out of the car. Yeah, I mean, L.A., it's good. You know, anytime you ever wonder why you moved to L.A. Uh, and then you sit on the front porch in in the winter, and uh, that reminds you why. It is, it is great. It's green because there's a lot more rainfall. It's kind of like fall weather or maybe spring weather, it's, you know, in other parts of the country. Also, I like it because there's, there's a lot less smog you can kind of see in the, in the distance. During the summer, the smog makes me think I need to get my eyes checked. It's like, man, do I need to make an eyesight appointment? I used to be able to see these mountain ranges. No, I can't. You guys, uh, you guys on Nextdoor, you ever heard of that? It's like a, it's like a Facebook, but for neighbors. You have to like verify that you live in a neighborhood, and um, it's pretty enjoyable being on Nextdoor in like a gentrifying neighborhood because you um you kind of have to like (laughs) you get to watch white people apologize you know they'll post something like there's a man in my backyard and a truck is waiting for him at the bottom of the street and then later on they'll like apologize be like i'm sorry that was that was just the landscaper or like they'll post like i was almost mugged last night while i was walking my dog and i was like no that's it's actually someone's abuela uh, taking out the trash. They need to add like a before you post. They need to add like a thing. You sure you wanna? You sure you wanna post this? You positive this is isn't just about being uncomfortable around non-white people? So check out next door. It. Um, I got some good uh, babysitter advice back when babysitting was a thing. You guys get the vaccine yet? How old are you? Did you deserve to get that vaccine? People, people are starting to get it around me. My parents, they haven't gotten it yet, but they, they're getting it. They're, they're scheduled in March. People my age and younger are getting it. And other people are angling for it. There was a big scandal out here in Los Angeles. Like uh, rich people were using these special codes that were specifically for brown and black people who they're trying to get vaccinated because they're being affected the most by the pandemic. And um, in classic rich people uh, fashion, somebody got a hold of the code, started spreading it out through the, through the wealthy community. And, uh, but I'm starting, to, I'm starting to get vaccine FOMO. All these vaccine people who've been vaccinated, they're, they're going to start hanging out. Or they're going to have like parties and you have to, show up to the door and you have to show them your vaccination papers and I'll like stroll up with like my arm my my sleeve uh, rolled up my arm bare and I'll, I'll put like a band-aid on it like uh, yeah just <laughs> still got the band-aid from the vaccine you don't need to see my papers just let me in the party did you get um vaccinated too yeah my arms still sore just want to go into that party and Enjoy the uh, vaccination brotherhood. <laughs> well, on today's pod, our guest is 
Mr. Mike Leibovitz. He is a, a comedian. I met him in Chicago, but he's um, but we also hung out in New York as uh, comedians. He runs, man, one of the one of my favorite shows in New York City. They did um, it's called Comedians You Should Know at Gutter Bar. He's he's been on Comedy Central and Last Comic Standing. Uh, I think he was on HBO's The Deuce as well. Um, but yeah, I've known Mike a while, and he's a father of three. And we had a we had a great talk. It was it was really fun catching up with him, seeing his face on the on the Zoom, and I think you guys will enjoy this conversation as well. So let's not let's not beat around the bush. Let's get him out here, Mr. Mike Leibovitz. All right, Zero. I'm here with. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. I'm here with Mike Leibovitz. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, Mike. I'm I'm uh, I'm tired, but I'm uh, I'm good. Well, I feel I'm alive. <laughs> it's a weird question to ask. I, I don't like, I don't know how I am. I like, I don't know mm-hmm. how to relate to the world around me. I feel like I'm either a product or a consumer and I don't know which. And I'm just <laughs> surrounded by screens all the time. And I feel like I'm consuming them, but then I feel like I'm feeding them. And uh, I'm very, I'm confused. I'm tired and confused. There you go. That's the tired. short answer. I think, yeah. I mean, tired. That that makes sense. You know, you're you're a dad. You're working. There, there, there's a lot. Comedian. There's a lot to be doing to be done. And yeah. I also think in this pandemic, you're right. Like, there's no like distance between what's happening and you know and and us. So it's like, I don't think we're gonna even come to terms with like how this is affecting us all until like years down the road. Um, yeah yeah and and you know if we do it all it might just like play out and affect us it's also like what i'm wrapping my head around is like this could conceivably last forever you know like there's no you know oh yeah the vaccines but then the new strains and then they lock it down and i just feel like whatever's going on like we have reached this level of just you know terminal velocity capitalism where it's just like <laughs> constantly in your face all the fucking time. And you're like, this is your friend. Oh, no, he's selling you shoes. You know, and it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Um, and it's definitely been accelerated by this whole thing and just like living in this weird Max Headroom space or whatever. That is true, man. It, it really, COVID did accelerate a lot of that those trends, all the online stuff, all the, you're right. And our friends are selling us shoes now. It's weird, like watching your comedian friends become influencers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and you can't blame them either. I mean, it's great. No. And you know, I'll sell you shoes. You, you need a good pair of shoes, Mike. Um, <laughs> let me, let me tell you about, uh, I can't even Lebo think is of the name of the shoe some, brand. Some Nikes <laughs> off his, off his feet right now. <laughs> That's right. 10 bucks. I'm, I'm peeling them off my feet. You can hear that sound. <laughs> It's one of those old brown shoes with like the 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 sole of the shoe flopping. It's like what a yeah. what a poor person would eat in like a Dickens novel. Well, that's how you know it's an authentic Lebo. <laughs> I feel like you have worn those shoes before. Did you ever duct tape shoes together before? Is that you? Um, I I mean, was that me specifically? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think I have done that. I I uh, I shudder to think I'm the only one who's ever duct tape a pair of shoes together. It's a pretty obvious solution to a very common problem. <laughs> Obviously, you, yes. 
You know, Mike, a lot of people, you know, have goals in their lives. You know, they, they want to be the influencer selling the shoes or whatever. Like uh -huh. my my like my ultimate goal in life is like I just one day want to be one of those people who like wears clean socks every day. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like if I can get to that point, I'll consider myself a success. You're, you're getting close. You're getting close. <laughs> or you just just move somewhere warm and then you can wear sandals all the time. You know, I wear sandals mostly around my, I wear my, I have a pair of Birkenstocks that I like. I don't know if any of your listeners have ever tried to, have ever tried Birkenstocks, but they you really uh, are selling your shoes. feet and <laughs> they mold to your feet and uh, they, they become uniquely yours, but I wear them. Um, <laughs> I, uh, if you're ever in New York, check out the uh, Birkenstock uh, store in Soho. It's excellent. Yeah. They have lots of variety promo and the code, staff is very helpful. Pro <laughs> promo code Lebo 15. That's right. Promo code my dick. Um, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, I wear the Birkenstocks around my house because I, I, I don't know if this is your ex experience of fatherhood. Yeah, I'll blame it on my kids. Uh, the um, the <laughs> floors are just always covered in crumbs, mm -hmm. and it's much easier to just put on your sandals than to sweep. Than the yes or mop. I, have you ever tried to wear wear someone else's Birkenstocks and then like your their your foot and their grooves are just way off? It's it's like spiky it's very uncomfortable yeah no I, I haven't tried to do that but I can imagine I mean it's it was always weird even when you would like try and use somebody else's baseball glove it wouldn't it wouldn't feel right <laughs> and, and you don't even walk on that so yeah, yeah I can I mean other people's shoes in general always kind of feel weird but yeah Birkenstocks because of their unique cork sole technology are um, just uh, very well suited to uh, molding to the shapes of your particular unique podiatry <laughs> do you have like a brochure over there you're reading off of <laughs> yeah like, here let me just uh let me just uh, get the ketchup yeah, off yeah, of it yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so lebo if, if if we could can we uh can we start at the beginning of of the leavitz story uh yeah. what's what's your first memory you this is okay i have um one very specific early memory and mm -hmm. of course with memories from from this period of time you know it's hard to know how accurate they are yes but i remember very specifically being three years old and standing in a hallway in now in my head it doesn't look like my house but it must have been my house but in my head i have the an image of this white hallway and having this thought where I thought, I will remember this moment forever. <laughs> Literally, really? this is my earliest memory. Yeah, I think I had, I had been wondering about forgetting things. Huh. And I thought, if I just chose to remember this completely unremarkable moment, I probably wasn't thinking so articulately at the time, but this was the thought form. If I choose to remember this completely unremarkable moment, if I just make a choice, then I will. And I have. So, yeah, that's, wow. that's my, uh, my earliest that's memory. kind of amazing. That's very profound. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, and it could be total bullshit, but I remember it. Do you know what I mean? Like, with, uh, yeah. with memories from that age, like, who knows? Yes. But I, that's, I, how, that's how I remember it, yeah. I'm going to remember this forever. I'm just saying that now because I'm going to remember this podcast forever. Um, this is wow. That's that's wild. So you're like you're like a young philosopher. You were like, how how old do you think you were? 
I think I was three, although saying that, that sounds too young. Maybe four, three or four. Yeah, you just, something like you that. You just started like the big bang, big bang in your own mind. That's crazy. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if you have had this experience. When I was a kid, I used to have these thoughts, which I felt like were too complex to express verbally. Mm-hmm. And I don't have those thoughts anymore. And I don't know if it's just that my facility with language has improved or if I've gotten dumber. It's one of the two. It's Either I'm better at it. of the both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy how smart kids are. Like people make fun of kids mm-hmm. for being stupid. But if the ability to learn is the measure of intelligence, children are far smarter than adults. I mean, it's I- crazy how fast they learn shit. It is. And I feel like it's accelerated today just with like, you know, you, you see kid like, like unlocking a smartphone or, or just like just the things that they pick up. I, I feel much dumber, uh, like and like watching like kids on TikTok. You're like, wow, you guys are like directors and you're like eight years old. Yeah, think, it's pretty. Think, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> Um, wow. Okay, cool. So did you have, um, did you have like a comfort item when you were a kid, like a blankie or anything? Yeah, I did. I had a blankie. Its name was Da. Da? And yeah, I lost, I lost my Da. It was just like, it was like a a little mangled shred of what had been my, my baby blanket. And, um, I, so it was a security blanket, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Typical security blanket. And I lost it at uh, one, when I was five years old at one of my brother's hockey games. My brother played ice hockey in some junior league. And I just remember crying and crying and my poor dad like turning the place upside down, searching and searching and searching for it. And we never found Da. And so as a substitute for a year or so afterwards, I would carry around a folded uh, kerchief, you know, like a band, folded oh, yeah. bandana. My mom used to have a bunch of them and I would just, you know, we should fold it up into a triangle and I would just kind of like pet my cheek with it. And that was like the <laughs> substitute for da. Nice. Yeah. That's, that sounds very traumatic. Uh, I mean, I still remember it. I mean, that is one of my earlier memories um, as well, but yeah, that's like the yeah, first, my, my, the first traumatic thing that I remember. And you, you love that thing down until it was in shreds, huh? Yeah, and I don't even know if that's love or it's it's more like uh, codependence, right? Or not codependence, mm-hmm. but dependence. Um, codependence is one of those words that people misuse, um, but it actually means when you enable each other's um, bad tendencies. So we're codependent if like we're in a relationship and and you have a tendency to be angry and I'm an alcoholic. I come home drunk, you yell at me, I go back out and drink. And that's codependence because we're enabling each other's dysfunctions. Um, but people use it to just mean dependent. And that's what I was with Da. Because Da had no bad qualities at all for me to. <laughs> uh, I feel like to you're just trying to prove that you're smarter than you were at three years old now. My whole life, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, you, uh, where'd you grow up again? Was it outside of Chicago? I grew up uh, on the south side of Chicago in the Hyde okay. Park neighborhood. Yeah. Nice. So that's like uh, that's pretty pretty urban. Um Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's this uh Hyde Park is by the University of Chicago, it's by the lake and Museum of Science and Industry. And um I lived on um Kimbark Avenue between 
8th and 49th Street, and there was this dividing line at 47th Street where um, it, was a, it was a much tougher neighborhood north of 47th Street. And when I was a kid, we used to hear gunshots regularly, like in the 90s. And then by the time I was a teenager, we kind of never heard them anymore. I think the crime was like peaking, violent crime on the south side was peaking in the, in the uh, 90s. Um, and then it sort of, and then it came down dramatically. Um, I remember my brother when he was 15. He's five years older than me. Was he had the he, he was carjacked in the neighborhood. So, damn. But it was like also like big giant mansions and stuff. Like um, I grew up a few blocks away from Louis Farrakhan, and like Muhammad Ali had a house kitty corner to that. And it was you know it was like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obama lives. Uh, Obama. Yeah. Obama's house is in Hyde Park. Yeah. That's cool. Like, what was, were you, what was like kind of your parent, uh, your parents' parenting style? Were you kind of allowed to roam free or do you high accountability? I mean, you, you've always struck me as kind of a, more of a bohemian kind of man, but like, was it, was it like that growing up for you or were you re- rebelling from, from stricter confines? You know, I don't know if it's either. I mean, I think I, I thought of my parents as strict when I was a kid because they wouldn't just let me do whatever I wanted to all the time. But I, I don't looking back on it. I mean, I certainly like, as soon as you have your own kids, you like understand everything that your parents were doing. So I think that they were normal. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, you know, they definitely like I was definitely like different from everyone else in my family. I, I still am. Um, like they, I was always, I feel like more jovial. Um, but we do have kind of a shared sense of humor. I think like when I do, um, jokes on, I actually have an old friend of the family. Uh, one of my brothers, I have just have one brother. One of his oldest friends from childhood came to see me do stand up in Chicago. And he said, Oh, your sense of humor is very Leibovitz. And he was like <laughs> able to identify it with our family. And I've, I, I've noticed that, in fact, like when I first developed sort of my thing that I do, sort of like the, the mood, the, 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 the attitude, the character, whatever you want to call it, that thing mm-hmm. that goes through the material, yeah. um, it's basically like how I am when I'm trying to make my mom laugh. Okay. Um, so when you're, when you're trying to, um, when you're when you're conjuring up the the stage Leibovitz when you know when you're powering up uh, that Lebo, uh, do you do you think do you like think about that or is it just kind of come? Does it just kind of a switch that you just turn on or or do you do you like is is that memory is that knowing that help you to kind of to uh, to find that place? Yeah, I don't I don't think that I do that consciously. I just sort of like noticed. Like there was, there was one moment that sort of crystallized it when I was, um, I was just starting in standup and I, um, I, uh, had been out drinking all night and I, you know, sometimes when you like power drink and then you wake up in the morning and you're like not hung over, you're still drunk mm-hmm. from last night. Oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, um, but you have all this energy because you mm-hmm. just slept. And um, 
my mom was at the ha- was at my was staying over at my house and she was like you know making breakfast or whatever and I don't know what I was doing but I was just being fucking hilarious right <laughs> like the whole time she was just dying laughing the whole time and so I, I made a conscious decision like oh when I go on stage like I'm trying to be that guy yeah specifically but I don't I mean I don't think about that anymore I just now I just write a joke and I go tell a joke and I yeah you know who knows if I'm even still doing that but that was sort of the way in that's that's really cool that's interesting the you know I think people spend years searching for for that revelation you know so it's uh, it took me a while I mean it took me I was probably three four years in something like that that's pretty that's pretty good but you, you did have a, a lot of years of improv I remember because we've known each other a long time we've yeah always, we started like right at the same time pretty much right or maybe yeah. you started like a month ahead of me or something yeah it was very I remember being at an open mic and being like oh this guy's funny uh, I still remember this tree bit you did with uh, you're like I'm not good with I'm, I'm, I'm good with names but I'm terrible with faces and then you like, you like, hey Carl! But you're like talking to a tree. <laughs> and no, I was like, no, no. I was it's like, like, it's like, it's like <laughs> a lot of people will say I'm 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 good with I'm good with faces, terrible with names. I'm the opposite. I'm great with names, terrible with faces. The other day yeah. I saw this guy across the street. I was like, hey Tom, how's it going? And he was like, oh, you remember me? We used to work together. And I was like, oh. I thought you were that tree in my front yard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's like the, it was like one of the first, first jokes I ever did at the open mic that made all the comedians laugh. It but was, then I could never get it to work in front of a real crowd. That was, uh, <laughs> that was an important lesson in and of itself. Yeah, that is that. That's another lesson that that you learn pretty quick. Yeah, sometimes yeah. The lesson is the it. audience is stupid. <laughs> Yeah, it's and so I remember hearing that joke and be like, "Oh, this guy's pretty brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see him bomb with it at a real show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. All right. Oh, wow. Sorry, one of my children is fixing himself a late night snack and Ooh. dropping all the pots and pans. And that's all right. Do you need to? Do you need to help? No, no, he's got it. Cool. I. Actually, I love a good uh, sound interruption on this podcast. It's kind of a tradition for your children to burst in or, or a spouse to yell at you or something while, while recording. So I, f- I figured it would be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah. one podcast you want your kids making a late night snack. What's, uh, what's he making? Um, actually, he's making a bottle of seltzer water. Ooh. Now he's making faces at me because he doesn't like to be talked about. So we'll stop talking about it. <laughs> we'll stop talking. Okay. <laughs> but speak. That's a good transition. Now you have um, you have three babies, right? Not not babies anymore, but yeah, I have an eighteen-year-old, right? an eight-year-old, and a five-year-old. What an adventure, huh? Um, yeah, man. What uh, what kind of like life lessons are important for you to kind of try to impart on your on your children? Was there anything? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that's probably something that I should think about more. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that I want. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, that's a good question. What are the life lessons? I mean, I want them to be responsible, and I, I want them to believe in themselves. You know, I think, yeah. um, and I want them to. Um, I want them to understand the value of, you know, perseverance. 
Um, I don't have any specific, you know, like they, they can be whatever they want to be. I just want mm-hmm. them to be happy. And I think those are things that I learned belatedly that like you have to actually work hard and that you have to believe in yourself and that, you know, you have to make things happen um, because no one is, you know, people will lend a hand when you're already on your quest, but nobody's going to help you onto the quest. You know, you have to find that yourself. And uh, so, yeah. So, so what did I say? Uh, perseverance. <laughs> I know I should write these down. Perseverance, um, belief in self, and um, what was the other one? I forget. Uh, happiness. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think, well, I think those, <laughs> those are the things that, you know, allow you to be happy and fulfilled. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just want them to be happy and, and fulfilled and feel as though they're, you know, contributing whatever their gifts are. Um, yeah. to the fullest extent possible. Now, I have no idea how to actually instill those values, but I just know that those are the values that I that I want instilled. That would, yeah. And, you know, so you just kind of go step by step as best you can. And, and I think, like, you learn, f- from example, like, if we can go back to my own childhood. My dad's a, um, a, uh, uh, an applied mathematician, hmm. and <clears throat> he used to... Um, you know, stay up until 3 a.m. every night at his desk writing incomprehensible symbols on pieces of paper, just completely engrossed in his work. And, you know, I think I really learned, he never told me what to do or why, but it was very clear to me just by example that like, oh, if you like, you know, find something that consumes you and pour yourself into it, you know, that's what that's what a man is supposed to do or, you know, whatever, (laughs) however I would have phrased that. Of course, I want that for my daughter too, you know, whatever that is. But, um, so, you know, I think just like, it's just important for me to like sort of set the example of, you know, living the kind of life that, that I want them to have. And I think that really is how values are instilled. Like I've noticed like we're, we're a bunch of little filthy animals, but my children, (laughs) They all say please and thank you, you know, mm-hmm. and I never told them to. It's just because when I talk to them, I do it. So I say, will you please hand me that mug? Thank you. And they just learn that, oh, that's what you do. So I think that's probably the best way to instill, you know, yeah. the values you want in your children is to embody them yourself. That's probably obvious. I'm saying it like it's profound. <laughs> I- I don't. I don't know if it's obvious. It's, um, but no. But I guess that's what like, it's what great generals do. You know, you're the first out of the trench, and the rest will follow. Right. Yeah. I guess. I. You know. I'm a pussy. I don't know. But yeah. It sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I've been been listening to a podcast about Napoleon. So. Who knew there were so many podcasts? And now there's one more out there. That's right, baby. <laughs> Thanks for listening to doing my best. (laughs) That's right. I think that's what I, you know, that sums it up. What do I want them to do? I want them to do their best. That's it. Whatever that is, I want them to do their best. That's such a, it's a very apropos name. That's profound and we'll make a killer new promo uh, for my podcast. Thank you. Um, 
<laughs> hey, you got it. I, and I can, uh, with that promo, if we can just slide in a little plug for the Birkenstock store in Soho. Uh, <laughs> Are there, um, were there any traditions that like, that you started that you, were important to you to, to like carry on or, 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 you know, it could be something as small as like, please and thank you, but, or like, um, like a, you know, a Sunday meal together or, or, you know, something, something like that. Every year you go we, fishing. <laughs> uh, we have little things we do. Um, we, uh, we're pretty strict about electronics, so we don't let the kids, well, okay. The 18 year old just does, there's no controlling him. He does whatever he wants, <laughs> but the, the two little, we sort of have like two batches of children, right? Cause I have mm-hmm. the one and then 10 years later had another and then three years later. So there's like, they're almost like two, it's almost like three generations in the house. You know, me yeah. and my wife, and then our first kid, and then our second two kids. And the, the, the two younger ones are very close. So for them, we're very strict about electronics. They're not allowed to um, <clears throat> to uh, use electronics before 7 p.m., like anything. I mean, obviously, I've, school, they do the laptop, and you know, because yeah. they're remote schooling. Um, but on Sunday, they, we have what's called Sunday Fun Day. And Sunday Fun Day means you can do whatever you want all day. And so that usually just means electronics all day. And then since we had Sunday fun day, we thought that we should have Saturday batter day, which means on Saturdays we make pancakes. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, I had a tradition for a while called Chicken Sundays, which is from a, um, a children's book of the same name where we would make homemade fried chicken every Sunday with all the fixins. Um, but we were quickly becoming far too fat. Um, so, <laughs> so we, we nixed, we nixed, uh, I think Sunday fun day is better than chicken Sundays. I mean, it's not better in a communal sense, but it's, it's better in a cholesterol sense. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you say you look great. You slim oh, down since you cut out I, chicken Sundays. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look like shit, but you should have seen me before you did, I guess. Um, <laughs> And then there's one, there's, there's, there's another element when you're talking about traditions. Um, I'm sorry to monopolize the conversation, but I'm no, the guest, right? This is um, what it's for. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sorry. It's what, you know, one of those things people apologize, but they don't really mean they're sorry. They just mean, hey, I'm going to keep doing this just so you know. Um, I, uh, <laughs> so we never did sleep training. Sleep training when, how, how old is, is, I don't know if we say names on the podcast. How old yeah, is we can your, say your child? Uh, Fran- Francis, Francis is five. Is... And yeah, I think I've said their name a lot. And Fiona is now a little over a year, 14 months. So I don't, are you guys like no, into no, the sleep training? Um, Fiona's not ready yet, I guess, but no, no, with, she, with Francis. She, no, yeah, they, no, we sleep, we actually sleep, sleep train. Well, they didn't, we didn't co-sleep. We just let them They've, let them they've cry. Actually been, yeah, we just let them cry a little bit. That's they've sleep actually training. Been, yeah, they've been pretty good um, sleepers, though, luckily. Okay, right. So what all the experts will tell you is that you must sleep train your children, which means you let them cry it out. And you do it in a yes. stepped-up way, right? Like, you know, whenever they don't need to nurse in the middle of the night anymore is usually – so usually around nine months or a year or whenever, yeah. you know, you, you sleep train the baby, which means you put the baby in it, in the baby's room – And when you leave, they cry. And like the first night, you let them cry for three minutes. And then the next night, you let them cry for four minutes. And then you sort of stretch that out until they're just crying all night long. And you just, you know, or or they can fall asleep, right? And then when when you do this with your children, the experts will tell you, then the bedtime 
ritual for the rest of their lives is very smooth. You say, okay, time to go to bed. They say, okay, they brush their teeth, mm -hmm. they go to bed. We never did that because we are, hey, we're doing our best, you know, but uh, <laughs> we, 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 it's just like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, that's, I think if I have a weakness as a father and I have many, but if I have one that I'm talking about right now, it's, I'm kind of a softy, right? <laughs> and Anna's the same way too. And I just like, don't like making my children cry. So we never did that. And now as a result, even though they are six, I'm sorry, five and eight, we have this incredibly long, ever expanding bedtime ritual <laughs> where there's two stories and then we brush teeth and then there's something called group where we all lie together <laughs> for five minutes and, and it keeps getting added to the, the most recent edition. Group. Group. Yeah, group. Five more minutes you, of group. Four more minutes of group. Do you pretend to sleep in group? What what happens during No, the we just lie there in the dark and you know, we're we're nice. all in my in my wife and my bed, which is like used to be big enough for this, but is not anymore. Um, <laughs> now in addition to group, we've added something called ship talk is a part of our <laughs> So, Why are you speaking like a like a like oi matey? Kinda. We uh, <laughs> no no no. We're see we're all designing our own um, airships. Now an oh. airship is like a boat, but it mm -hmm. flies in the air, and we've all drawn the schematics for mm -hmm. our own individual ones, and we have a period of time where we each. Give details about our ship, any new uh -huh. updates on uh, features of our ship, and then there is a period of uh, question and comment from the gallery, <laughs> and then we all go around and do it. So bedtime, <laughs> I'll put it to you like this. It is now 1048 where I am uh -huh. right now. Bedtime is nine o'clock. And my son just came into the room to, like, get a snack. So, like, this is what happened. It just goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I'm, I'm curious about ship time. Um, what, what kind of features are on your ship, Lebo? Okay, so my ship is a pirate ship uh, right. that flies. Of, of course, of course. So it has a mast and it has um, an internal combustion engine. Okay. And it has um, thrusters, uh, like, to raise the ship up. Mm -hmm. And then it also has rear-facing thrusters to make the ship go forward through the air. Um, there's a crow's nest on top of the uh, mast. So people, you know, if they do all their chores, they get to stand up there and, uh, and <laughs> look at the clouds. Then um, there, is a, a, uh, there is an ice rink. On the front of on the front deck of my ship, uh -huh. and then there are sort of two cavities. There, there's sort of two rooms, but divided into two levels, and uh, you know one of them is like a galley and a mess, and then there's a bedroom, and then there's like a lounge area, and you know. So that's that's my ship. It, it runs on gasoline. <laughs> yeah, you haven't haven't joined the the green energy revolution yet. No, well, I mean, and even that is behind the times. My daughter's ship is constructed entirely out of white magic. So, oh yeah, that's zero emissions right there. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so you, I, we've known each other a long time. Like I said, in Chicago, 
you were actually the first comic I can remember that had a kid. I remember going to a barbecue at your place, and I was, we were both pretty young, um, and I was like, whoa, Lebo's got a kid. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and my kid was pretty young then, too. Yeah, yeah, so I guess... It was just it was just wild, but I was also it was also kind of a learning moment for me. Like, oh, like you can do comedy and still have a kid and hang out with people, and it's not like because I grew up in you know Ohio and I don't know. There's just like <laughs> comedy was kind of like an imaginary job there, um, mm-hmm. and and it, it it always seemed kind of like like you wear a suit and tie to to work and you come home and. You know, it it always seemed very um, like it it can only be one thing or the other. But but when I saw that, you know, you were Lebo and you had a kid, and I was like, oh, like you can just do you can <laughs> doesn't matter. You can you can have kids. You can do comedy. You can uh, be a wild man. It, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that's true. I mean, there is like. You know, obviously there's time management stuff and there's financial considerations, but I, I almost don't think I ever would have gotten into stand-up if I didn't have a kid. I mean, I had I had a kid before I started. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how, young, how old were you when you had a kid? Uh, 22. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. I'm 22. I was 22. He's 18. I'm 40. Yep. Oh, happy that's birthday. Right. <laughs> it's not my birthday, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> It's not even close to my birthday. I'm I'm 40 and a half, but Shit. thank you. Um, I am um, I'm uh, I'm older than you, right? I mean significantly, I think. A couple of years. Yeah. Well, I'm 36. I, <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, I think like you know, I I sort of credit my first kid with saving my life, and who knows? I might have figured it out. But I mean, it it really was, you know, it made me sort of, you know, I guess, you know, get my shit together right and yeah. if i if you thought i was a wild man when i was doing comedy i mean i you should have seen me before and <laughs> I, I don't know I, I you know i wasn't headed in a very promising direction i don't think and um and it did i think with comedy specifically it's like it really does having kids you know it it it, it forces you to focus up in a certain way where like you, you you're like well i can't just a lot of people go out to an open mic just to fuck around. They're weird. They don't know how to make friends. Mm-hmm. And there are other weird people who don't know how to make friends at the open mic and they become friends. And that's kind of like a social scene, but like, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's great. And you know, but it, I always sort of had the idea like, well, okay, so I have a kid at home. So if I'm going to do this, like I have to actually do it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that was probably helpful for me. It was like sort of like the, one of the, first things I ever did stand up I mean where I felt like I was actually <clears throat> taking agency you know where I was actually like uh, making my own choices like rather than you know waiting for someone to say hey come on this adventure you know going on the adventure and then finding people to help me along the way you know what I mean if that makes sense yeah no I, I do know what you mean and that's that's really interesting because I, I had a similar experience I mean because I don't think I was ever I'm, I wasn't really a social scene guy, but like I certainly think, and I didn't have my kid until, you know, I was in New York, but um, uh, I definitely like, I was like, oh, I got to like start being smarter. It's not about like being at as many open mics as you can be. <laughs> it's about like, 
setting goals and, and accomplishing things and, and time management is a repeating a re- reoccurring theme on this podcast, but it's like, you got to get your shit together. Um, um, so yeah, the kids, the kids certainly help help with that. Don't they? Yeah. One nice thing I like about this world that we live in is if you want to do like an Instagram reel or something, you can bang that out real quick. First thing in the morning while they're doing a, you know, they're on their zoom thing and you're just uh, doing real quick and then they're done. You're like, okay. You know, it's not like, <laughs> is you don't have to go wait and you don't have to go wait at the open mic for four hours or whatever. Um, I do think there's value in that, like <clears throat> going out to open mics every night for like a year or two. Yeah. Um, but after certainly. you've been doing it for a while, it's like, okay, so I know kind of the basic idea of how this works and there's a lot more, more of the, that work that you can do on your own. Mm-hmm. I think, don't you agree? I, yes. In fact, I think I'm better at, so I just, yeah, I was just doing mics all the time for way too many years without doing enough of the work on my own. You know, I thought I would, I would write some stuff on stage, but like I, turns out I'm a guy who should write it at home and then bring it to the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I think what happens if you stay at the mic, it's like, it's good to get that experience of being up on stage, but you don't want to stay in those mics for so long that you start learning bad habits because they will laugh at the tree joke or whatever, you know? <laughs> I'm still laughing at that tree joke 10, <laughs> 20 years later. Yeah. Wow. However, that's, uh, so you, you moved to, um, to New York, uh, across the country was that how how hard how daunting was that because i mean i moved from chicago to new york um and it was tough for me and it was like you know i just uh, i was married but no kids and then you moved you had do you have two children at the time or do you no my third my my daughter my youngest was had just been she, had just she was like before. six weeks old wow yeah holy shit when we can moved you, to can new york tell me a little bit about that was it is that was it as hard and as terrifying as that, as that sounds or yeah it w- it was it was hard and it was scary and you know like i think i'm just like a stubborn son of a bitch and i wouldn't admit it to myself you know i think i had this idea that like well i'd done everything that i could do in chicago i don't know if that's true <laughs> you know, but they tell you that, you know what I mean? They tell you that, yeah. Oh, you can't stay in Chicago. I think you can. Um, but I think you probably can now. Yeah. I mean, that was that, who knows? I mean, there's no rules, no, you know, but, but, but I, I wanted to be in New York and I'm glad that I moved to New York and I think it has made me a much better comedian. Even, even if I don't feel as adored all the time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But that's fine. You know, like that's, that's why I wanted to do it. But it was, I don't think like I allowed myself to realize how hard it was going to be. Like, I think there's some part of me that knew it, but wouldn't admit it. Cause I just figured like, well, I've been able to do everything against all odds, blah, blah, you know, like, Mm -hmm. well, I was able to become a working stand up with a kid, you know? And then I was like, well, I'll have, sure. I'll have another kid, you know, it'll be more material. And it was, you know, (laughs) and, and then it's like, well, then I'll have another one. That'll be even more material. But it turns out I was like, nah, dude, you already wrote all the new baby material. Like the third (laughs) one, 
now she's material because she's so because now she's like she's a personality and she's yeah. like so different and but for those first few years it was just like oh no it's just a baby it's like i just wrote jokes about a baby and now i have another baby as it's like i use the same jokes um and uh, yeah just the financial burden of moving to new york from a place like chicago is really daunting and um when you're doing when you're going through that and just like every day just like in kind of like acute financial crisis like acute like every day and then also contending with the fact that like all of a sudden nobody gives a fuck about you at all um is yeah it was really really hard yeah yeah, Yeah, it was it was really hard how Um, many times did you cry in your car (laughs) I, I don't think I, I don't remember crying in my car about it, actually. I'm probably still holding in those tears. They'll come out and it'll be, uh, you know, <laughs> don't you wear are. suede around me. <laughs> so, so as you said, you're, I mean, you're a working comedian. You're, you're doing it. You commercial work, you headline, you're doing cruises. And then this friggin' pandemic hit. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm going to make you cry. Um, no, like, actually. Uh, so, you, I, I mean, you seem happy. You seem you've always been very resilient. Um, thank you. Um, <laughs> stubbornly optimistic. Um, I, so I'll tell you what, dude, like I, I was so desperate to do anything to like be able to say that I was a professional comedian and I was making a living doing comedy that I took this job um, working on the Carnival cruise ships mm-hmm. and it sucked so bad <laughs> that, you know, I like started to hate doing comedy. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like nobody gets into comedy so that they can hate their job. Right. And that's yeah. what it felt like. So it's like, I, I like, I hated it so much. I sometimes think that I created the coronavirus out of the sheer force of my intention <laughs> to get off those cruise ships. I could have just quit and not put the whole world through this. And I'm real sorry about that, but I'm a stubborn <laughs> son of a bitch. Um, so I would say I am happier now um, than I was then just with my life, even though like I'm not, you know, I work for a weed delivery service. I'm just like trying to live the life of a, of a, um, you know, just a typical, boring, middle-class drug dealer. Um, and uh, <laughs> It's legal, though, right? No. Oh, wait, you're in... Fuck. It's, it's so... I always forget. It's illegal. That, wow. But, How I mean... It not, yeah, they don't care. I mean, it's, it's, it's illegal, but it's not like... Nobody cares. You know what I mean? It's not like... <laughs> you know, it's like tolerated. It's not like... It doesn't... I don't feel like I'm... You know, ooh, gotta watch out for Johnny Law. Like, you yeah. go into the buildings for these rich people. Like, the doorman knows what you're doing. Everyone knows what you're doing. Nobody cares. You know, uh, yeah. so it's like it's kind of tolerated. And but because it's illegal, it pays pretty well. That's so, true. You probably get paid a lot less if it was legal. Oh yeah, bud tender makes like thirty bucks an hour. Like I, my wife is not working right now. She's like staying home. You know, like a, just like attending to the, the schooling, doing all of that stuff. So it's like I have to support the family. 
and um, you know, I'm really lucky. But the the point is, like, when all this shit is over, which I actually don't think it ever will be, but you know, whenever we arrive at whatever the new next thing is, I hope you're wrong. By the way, well, I hope I'm wrong too, but um, it's not going to be in June. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's no, not no, like, no. I don't know when it's going to be. Of course, at some point, you know, this this too shall pass, but. Um, I'm not going back on those ships. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to take all these fucking road gigs where I'm going to convince myself the math works out with gas and tolls just so, you know, it's like, I'll do my sets. I'll uh, try and, you know, do what you're, you know, I want to, you know, maybe, maybe I'll have a podcast or maybe I'll, you know, I'm like working on stuff. Like I'm, I'm committed. I'm submitting to the algorithm. I'm finally realizing that the YouTubers and all of these people were right. And then that whole idea of like, oh, yeah, you hang out at the to catch a rising star and then you, you know, it's like that is was a beautiful, romantic world, but it's a world of the past. And that's not that's just not how it works. And I'm not going to try and like force it by just like being, you know, eking out some subsistence living, being like comedy night guy. Hey, we got a comedian for whatever. It's like, no, I'm (laughs) like, I'm going to be me. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to yeah. do Lebo and like if that, okay, if that blows up, then sure, I'll take Lebo on the road. And if it doesn't, I'll fucking sell people wheat. You know what I mean? Like I don't, Yeah. I'm not, this whole thing has like let me reflect on like wh- why am I even doing this? Like what am I trying to prove? And it's really about, I just like, I love to make people laugh. I love to do stand-up. It's not about, when you make it about the money, when you make your passion about the money, like it can the money gets your passion. It can get your passion dirty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. If you go it, about it the wrong way. It warps everything. It, I will say, man, this pandemic has put things into perspective as far as what's important. And I, I mean, I feel very similar just to like, <laughs> just, I just cared about things that do not matter whatsoever. And, yeah. Um, you know, I just hope I can, you know, carry that with me for for the rest of for the rest of my days. I think I I should be able to 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 some extent. Um and surrender. I have noticed your stuff has been rising in my feed higher and higher. You've you've cracked the code, my friend. <laughs> well, I, I see like not... a, a Levo sketch every day now. Well, that's because I do a Levo sketch every day now. That's, that's the only that's reason the code. I, I wasn't the... <laughs> doing it before. <laughs> Kenny said something to me like, like DeForest. He was like. He was like, yeah, oh, I thought, I thought, hey, I haven't seen Mike Leibovitz for a while, so I searched his page, and now he's showing up in my feed. It's like, no, I took like eight months off the internet. I basically I- did. I, I didn't do anything. Like when this hit, I was just like, vroom, just like focus up. Okay, we just bought this house. Like, Where are you living? We live upstate. Oh, nice. Uh, I mean, not way upstate. It's like an hour 20 north, north of the city, Hudson Valley. Yeah, you know, no, just above Westchester. In there all the time. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. People who um, live there. But we're like out in the woods. We have like, we live in the woods. There's, it's like a house in the woods and something's always going wrong. But it's great, you know, with the kids to have a yard. I mean, I just can't imagine being stuck in our tiny little 700 square foot apartment in Queens, Ooh. you know. How, how, how long before the pandemic hit did you move? We moved in August of 2019. Okay. So, but six months, what's that? Yes. Eight months, something like that. So we had just moved up here and, uh, cause I figured, well, Oh, I'm going out on these ships. So fuck it. You know, it's like, what do I'm going to make my, 
family suffer in this tiny little apartment so that I can not even be here? Well, fuck that. Well, you know, it's cheaper to live up here. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, so we bought a house and, and, but, but when the pandemic did hit, it was just like, okay, change of plans. What are we going to do? And so I just kind of like, well, I'm just going to be here for the family. I'm just going to like, Anna was like, you know, down to like take care of all the domestic stuff. And I was like, okay, well I got to get the money. So I yeah. just like, that's all I focused on was just like keeping the lights on. And that's still what I'm focusing on, you know, but it's also like now I'm starting to look more long-term. Okay. What's the strategy for like keeping the lights on and maybe like replacing the lights with nicer lights and you know like how can i <laughs> you know what i mean like build it yeah. into a, a career and you know if i can if i can become one with the algorithm and find a way to do that then that's that's what i'm trying to do but i mean i'm st- i'm still slaying in that weed you know i mean i still gotta slay <laughs> that weed oh yeah for now. i bought i bought some off of you yeah, yeah, yeah. You bought a bunch of weed I stole from my boss. That was cool. Um, <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, no. Just kidding. I didn't steal it. No, you know what it is? Is like I was working for this guy back then, and then he kind of stopped working me. But what they used to do is like after your shift, they'd give you a free cube. Mm-hmm. And like I wasn't really smoking. So every shift, I'd just like, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. And so like after a while, I was like, oh, well, I have like a couple ounces of weed here. That's not. I didn't steal it, but it was like just yeah. gifted to me one at a time. And then I was in like acute financial stress again. And I was like, well, I got, I got, I got to sell this weed. So yeah, you helped me out there. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. I think that was the last time I saw you before, before I moved. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was right before you moved. I remember. Yeah. yeah. You just, you had a tiny new baby. I had a tiny new baby. She right. Was, yeah. Well, yeah. She, I mean, she was one. Okay. Two. Two. I don't know. What is time anymore? I've lost all sense of everything. She was two. I think she, she was, was two. two. That's right. She was two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was two. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because you tried, you tried selling her some weed and can't do that to a newborn. Right. No, you no, told I'm me not, that <laughs> in this house we wait until they're 11. Thank you very yes. much. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real stuffed shirt over here. <laughs> do you I remember you I remember I once asked you Lebo do you um do you make a set list and you're like you're like no man like the jokes they just come in they just come in the order that they come in and that's just their order and so I did that for probably like a year and then I remember asking you later and you're like, oh, I said that. <laughs> I was like, I, oh, I, I make set lists. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, because you're saying that to me now. I don't remember this conversation, but like, I, I definitely make a set list. Yeah. No, yeah, I remember it was it was in Chicago. I asked, and then yeah, and then like for like I think like a year or two, I just f- I flopped around just without. <laughs> Like trying to remember my jokes on stage because I'm like, you know, if Levo's not making a set list, like I don't have to make a set list. Like, you know, he's right. The jokes are inside me. Uh, and and it turned out, no, I need a set list. So <laughs> I just like, do you, have you ever, do you, do you often give uh, advice that you <laughs> forgot you gave and then don't follow it? Okay. Well, hang on. So Mike, let, let's, <laughs> let's break this down a little bit. There are a couple of things this could be. Usually, or often, I don't have a written set list. Mm-hmm. So that might have been what I was saying. But it sounds like I went further and I just said, no, whatever the jokes come, they come. Now You were philosophizing about it and it was like, 
it was like so beautifully said. I, it, I was like, all right, I'm just not going to make set lists. Well, so this is what I do is, I mean, so sometimes I do go up without a set list, but it's not good. Usually, though, what it is is I don't, I will write a set list, mm -hmm. but the purpose of the set list is essentially to not follow the set list. Oh, right? okay. So the set list is there so that I feel confident and secure in that I have something planned. And then um, I will just let it go, and I usually won't do the set list. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's what I was saying. doesn't sound like it. I um, don't think so, but at least you've, you've, <laughs> you've gotten a little closer. <laughs> no, but that is... You and, ruined and, my stand-up for like six months. Yeah, yeah. Well, you ruined your stand-up by drunking I, to... Uh, drunking to... Exactly, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think um, the more... And it isn't always written down. Sometimes it's in my head. But the better idea I have of what I'm going to do when I go up there, the more free I feel to be in the moment and completely abandon it and change mm -hmm. the order and just go spontaneously. If I'm a little bit fuzzy on what it is, like if I'm like, well, I know I'm going to start with this, but I haven't really thought it through, then I feel more sort of slavishly devoted to it and less able to be free. So for me, set list kind of functions as this sort of like, safety net or some kind of you know like it's your, it's your tour of freedom your da it's my da yes yeah. yes yes it's my da that's your da man hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in in that spirit i remember talking to you after i had my kid and you were like we were just talking about how because you know how everybody when you have a kid people are like oh it changes you it changes who you are. And then I was talking to you and you, you were like, it doesn't actually change you. Like you're still like you. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, which I agree with, but also I do think like it does change you in some ways. Cause you're like, as you even mentioned before, like you, there's focus, there's, there's, um, uh, you know, time management, you know, there's just, uh, you like, Oh, I need to provide for this child and keep it alive. But like, I'm just curious do, do you still kind of feel that way that it doesn't change you or is this like the set list and it's kind of a kind of a, a somewhere in the, the middle, a, a sliding Lebo philosophy? I have a uh, long history, Mike, of um, <laughs> speaking very confidently about things that are just popping into my head for the first time. So. Look, I can only go back and re-examine maybe the context in which I would have said this to you. I'm assuming when I tell people that parenthood doesn't change you, I'm usually trying to allay their fears of lost mm -hmm. youth or something like that. Yes, yes, okay. What I do believe is that while, of course, it changes your priorities and it changes your perspective as, mm -hmm. you know, all things in your life do. But I, I, I think that it sort of deepens you to like it deepens your experience of life in a way that people who don't have children can never understand. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, I almost feel like people who don't have children in a certain sense don't know what they're talking about at all. 
uh, when about life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, and and then you know, after I had my second kid, I realized that like, well, people who only have one kid don't know what they're talking about <laughs> at all. So it goes yeah, on and, and then on. There's the, the, some guy with twelve kids, like he doesn't know what the fuck yeah, he's talking about. Exactly. Three kids. No. Pussy. But um, but I do think that like what I would say about my own life, of course, from the moment that I had my first kid, the trajectory of my life changed dramatically from the one that it was on. Right. But you, it's more about those longer arcs. Whereas like day to day, you Mm -hmm. don't, it's not like you're a different person, you know, day to day. You're just like, okay, well, these are the things that I have to do today. And the things that you have to do today are very different from the things that you would have had to do on that day. And if, if you add those days up over time, it does add up to a very different life. Mm-hmm. And because you've seen different things in your life, sure, you're a different person, but there's no like, there's no switch. It's not like, yeah, now you're different. Um, you're just the same dude going through different things. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that it, of course it changes the experience of your life. Um, I don't think it changes the essential nature of who you are, but no, I mean, maybe again, I'm just like, like um, bullshitting. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to no, you call me you out know, on this you on have, the next um, podcast. <laughs> <clears throat> you're going to be like, you said it didn't change your essential nature. And I'm like, I didn't say that. You're going to play me the uh, audio. <laughs> <laughs> you have real uh, Michelle Obama vibes when she was talking about like, the presidency doesn't change you. It reveals who you are. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That's good. So that, that might, I, let's apply that to parenting now. I think that's right though. That's, I think that's, I mean, I don't know about the presidency, but like, yeah. 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 It reveals who you are. I mean, I think like any challenge does that, right? I mean, the, 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 the measure of your character is how you act in the face of challenge. Not how you act when everything's easy. So, yeah, I think that's right. There you go. Sounding all beautiful again, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Is there any advice that you would give to me or, or the listeners? Just some any kernel of wisdom that you may have accrued over the years? Um, love them. Listen to them. Um, be there with them. When they're annoying, um, you know... I think it's important to to set boundaries, right? They always want all of your time and you can't always give them all of your time. But what you can do is the time that you do give them, you can give them fully, Mm -hmm. right? So when you are spending time with the children, don't spend it with the children in the phone, spend it with the children. And uh, when you can't commit that time because you have other things that you need to do, which are probably for their ungrateful little asses, even though they don't understand, Um, when you, you know, then just be clear with them. Say, Hey, daddy's busy, busy right now, but I will X, Y, and Z. And then when it comes time for X, Y, and Z really do it. It's, I guess that's, this is another trite bit of thing, but it's that when it, when it comes to time and attention, it's not as much about quantity as it is about quality. True words have never been spoken. Ah, they probably were. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You will change your, your what you say though for the next podcast yeah i know that's the thing about these <laughs> yeah. now you've now you've got it's evidence. all about it's all quantity yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right mike we play one game on on this on this podcast um, okay it's just it's called time capsule okay so i'm just gonna ask you some questions 
and you have to make predictions and then we listen to the podcast in 15 20 30 years whatever and uh see how right you were okay okay so um all right so and if you want to choose one child um or do one for all three um you uh you, you can and some of them kind of apply to to the younger children um so, okay so like what do you what do you think um your youngest children what do you think their extracurriculars will be in in school um i think f- um for i mean for cyrus it might be um like do they have like engineering like electrical engineering or like kind of sure. like coding it's a, it's a, kind of it's stuff a technical school yeah um um coding cool and for esther maybe like uh dance or art art yeah really have the the two little ones they're so they're they're like they're so cute but they really are like the engineer and the artist. I mean, they're so different. Like one wow. is like so analytical and sassy and, and the other <laughs> one is just dreamy and full of imagination. And it's just, it's really, it's really amazing. But they're, they're both very prolific artists just in different ways. So who knows? But yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with art and electrical engineering. Okay, what do you think their first detentions will be for? If they get a detention. Um, f- fighting. Fighting? Yeah. E- each other? Teacher? Other others, students? Um, well, I mean, maybe each other if it comes to that. I don't know. I mean, they, they get real <laughs> hot. They both get real hot. Yeah. They both have little tempers on them. So, yeah, they'll probably sock some little kid in the face. Uh, <laughs> what do you think their first jobs will be? Oh man, I don't I know. know. I or don't or know. or you can pick a career. So if you wanted to say engineer and dancer, that's I'll allow it. Yeah, I think that um, Cyrus will be a wizard and Esther will be a ballerina fairy. <laughs> How late will their bedtime be in six years? Um, I don't know. I, I think in six years, uh, 11. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's a very fun answer, but it's just a guess. Uh, who's most likely to be the philosopher? Um, Cyrus, I think. Who is, who's most likely to vote on acid? Vote on acid. Didn't you vote on that? <laughs> Yeah, Mike's got yeah. a Mike's got a hilarious bit about voting on acid. Uh, so, oh, buddy, come on. <laughs> I don't know. say it, Mike. Oh boy, I hope I hope neither of them. I don't know. Oh God, psychic. I don't want to think about my babies doing psychedelics. I don't, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't want them to. I just don't want to think about it. No, that's that's okay. If you don't, if you don't want to answer that, you don't have to. I just want to. Who's more there. likely to vote on acid? Uh, it's, it's probably Cyrus. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Um, all right. 
Mike Leibovitz, thank you so much uh, for for joining me on the podcast today. Buddy, this was so fun. I've missed you a lot. It's great to see you. Thanks for yeah, having it's, me. It's so great to, to it see was your so face fun. And, and talk to you. And uh, let's let's do it again. Hell yeah. Anytime. I'll have a few more kids and then, you know, we'll do another one. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks. All right. That was Mike Leibovitz. Make sure you follow Mike at Mike Leibovitz on all those on all the socials. Instagram, Twitter, and get get his album. It's called Two Slob Household uh, by Mike Leibovitz. Uh, Leibovitz is L-E-B-O-V-I-T-Z. So check that out. It's from Stand Up Records. Two Slob Household. You know, if you got a subscription to Spotify or Apple, just add add the album. Kick him some cash. Help support his children. And while you're supporting things, follow me at not Mike Joyce. Uh, follow the podcast at Doing My Best. If you got any questions, um, if you want to, you know, pick pick my brain, shoot me uh, uh, an email at doing or sorry, Doing My Best Pod at gmail.com or you can DM myself or the the podcast social accounts we're uh as always a big big thank you to uh to tom joyce for the theme song julia johns for the album artwork we'll be back again next week until then y'all keep doing your best